This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome to Dollars and Cents. I'm Elaine Scollin, along with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates. They're experts in helping you get out of debt. Now, this is a regular segment that we've been doing, talking about real people in real situations who you've helped out. Mm -hmm. We talk about the housing market a lot and have over the months, but there's a huge segment, and this is, I think, really significant for our listener to pay attention to, a big segment of our population who rent. Mm-hmm. who are directly impacted um, by this retail market or this housing market, but don't even have a, a hope in heck of ever getting into it. So what are the kinds of things that renters, um, or what do you think the kinds of things are that renters face on a regular basis, Blair? Yeah, so I, I'm really happy with this segment of links. I called, you know, the monthly client roundup. So we'll talk about a couple general things that we're seeing, and then I'll give you a couple of detailed examples of people that we've helped. And yeah, definitely from the general point of view, rental costs are escalating like crazy these days. It's really blowing me away. Um, you know, I've been with Sands, you know, almost 10 years now. Um, and when I joined, you know, we were always benchmarking people's costs, you know, basically about a third, you know, 30 to 35% of your after-tax take-home income. Um, that's a good best practice in terms of how much you should be spending on rent. Um, I've been just keeping track in the last couple of weeks, and there's almost nobody I've seen in my Vancouver office that's actually spending that amount of money on rent. Most of the time, it's north of 50%, if you can believe it. And that's crazy, because that's a formula for not disaster, but not for somebody who wants to save money and have a decent kind of lifestyle doing the things they love to do. 50% is a crazy amount of money, especially in rent. Yeah. And if, you know, just throwing out some real numbers here, like I'm seeing folks that are, you know, maybe netting $2,400 per month of, again, after-tax take-home pay, and their rental cost is $1,300 or $1,500. Like, it's it's just astronomical now. And, and, you know, people are doing it because they love living in Vancouver, uh, but for how long is my question. So I, you know, I really get uh, a little discouraged as I think in the long term, you know, house prices went up massively and the rental, you know, rental rates, of course, had to increase because people have to be able to get their return on their investment. Uh, but I just don't know where it's going. I'm seeing so many clients north of 50%. So yeah, I wish I had some upside here, but but other than that, yeah, it, it's, it's, not, it's not a good thing in Vancouver right now with rental costs. Well, I think, I think reality is really important. Mm-hmm. I think the more that we face reality, the easier things can be, right? Because there's yeah. no sort of happy pie in the sky kind of way of looking at it. Now, the other thing that you noted here is about student loans. What yeah. do we need to pay attention about that for those renters? Well, yeah, and, and this, so not necessarily can, um, specific to those who rent, you know, those who own their, their home as well. It could could be, but what I'm seeing is that individuals are a lot better informed these days that they actually do have some options about student loans. Nice. So I'm having people come into my office and, you know, I start to go through, well, there is a seven-year waiting period from the time you were a student to when you can actually restructure that debt. And we start to talk about it and they say, you know what, Blair, we're aware of that. We did our research and now, you know, it's been seven years and two months and we know we can now deal with this debt. Oh, interesting. So anyone that's listening out there that, you know, might be thinking, hey, government debt or student loan debt, if you got yourself in over your head and you're just not making enough money to service the debt, you might think there's nothing that you can do, but absolutely there are options. And as soon as it's been seven years since you were last a student, and there's even some exceptions for five years, so definitely talk to the experts here, but as soon as it's been seven years, student loans is like any other debt. It can be restructured. It can be reduced or eliminated with either a consumer proposal or a personal bankruptcy. 
Excellent. Okay. So let's talk about um, a recent client of yours, mm-hmm. a heavy equipment mechanic who lost his business or yeah. just doing business? Well, he lost his business. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the most gratifying part of my job is I get to meet, you know, just incredibly diverse people and almost to a person, they're honest people. They've just had some bad things happen to them. And they just need some help. So in this situation, um, you'll be well aware, we'd all recall a couple of seasons ago, there was an incredible wildfire season. There were mm-hmm. entire communities that were destroyed. And obviously I'll protect my client's confidentiality and not tell you the exact community, but this is a place that was just decimated. Right. Um, he was 45 years old, came to see me in Vancouver. And what happened was, you know, a couple of years ago, he had lost all of his business due to fire. Um, and he did, you know, what he thought was the right thing to do in those situations. Uh, what he did was every dollar that he had, he paid to his employees. He paid them out their vacation pay. Mm-hmm. He paid them out, you know, their severance, even though perhaps he wasn't legally obligated to do so. He tried to keep all of his suppliers um, whole. You know, it's again, small town business. You don't, you, your name means everything. But the challenge was the money that he should have paid to CRA by the letter of the law, it just wasn't there at the end of the day. He had, you know, basically diverted it off to do the things that he thought was morally right. Um, and that definitely makes makes you feel better. But at the end of the day, um, CRA had, had started to garnish his wages. So okay. he came to see me in Vancouver and CRA was taking 30% of his take-home pay. Wow. Yeah. And, that's, and that's CRA. And then there's all the other costs of just living, which yeah. is crazy. Yeah. And, you know, he's a very, you know, very well-skilled individual. So he had his own shop, you know, where he was living before. Now in Vancouver, he's working for someone else. So, you know, he doesn't have the risk of having his own business. But, you know, when he gets his paycheck, 30% off the top um, is going to deal with, you know, a massive CRA debt. When he came in to see me, we had estimated it was probably about $90,000 and he had total debts of about $115,000. That sounds uh, like a really enormous challenge to take on. Yeah. What, how did you help him solve this? You know, first thing we do is we just, we get a sense of the situation. So we met for a good hour. We understood everything that happened in the situation and what was the current current status. And we figured out right away, we've got to stop this garnishy. As we mentioned, you know, people paying so much money for rent. You can imagine if you're only earning 70% of what you're really entitled to, um, you know, he's get he was getting further behind each month. Um, you know, like any of my clients, if there's an ability to avoid bankruptcy, most people are pretty interested in hearing about that. Um, and that's exactly what we tried to do here. So we filed a consumer proposal. So we met pretty intensively over a couple of weeks, got all the information together. Uh, and then we figured out that of his $115,000, he could probably afford to repay about 29% of the total. So about $33,000. And we structured that in monthly payments of $550, uh, which immediately was less than what he was losing to, to CR. So as soon as he filed the proposal, I was able to stop the garnishee, stop his wages from being taken. Uh, and the proposal we offered was $550 a month, which wouldn't go on forever. A proposal by law can last only as long as five years. So it wasn't the rest of his life he was going to be dealing with this tax debt. Uh, it was actually going to be a proposal that if CRA accepted, it was going to be done within five years, him paying back about 29%. So that sounds like happy ending to me. Well, you would think so, but... Uh, <laughs> But not always that straightforward because, well, what sometimes happens too is, you know, we do our proposal based on our best estimate of what's going on here. There were a few things that were still outstanding. There were some returns that hadn't been assessed. And originally we thought the CRA debt was about $90,000. What happened was CRA came back to us and said, well, now we've already assessed everything and the number isn't $90,000 anymore. It's actually $388,000. I'm surprised the two of you just didn't kind of faint at that point. Well, I've been down this road before. 
And what, what we said was, you know what, we're just going to take it one step at a time and we're going to say, you know, we know what you can afford and, you know, you can't afford four times the proposal you're offering. You're offering them five fifty a month and that was for about $90,000 of debt. Everyone's got to be reasonable here. Yes. And I have conversations with CRA all the time where the substance of it is I'm a taxpayer, the individual's a taxpayer and so is CRA. Let's do what's best at the end of the day for the overall recovery to taxpayers while still being fair to the individual involved. Okay. So we went back and we looked very closely at his budget. And, you know, we thought we had used a pretty sharp pencil before to figure out, you know, 550 per month was what he could afford. Um, but, you know, we knew if we, if we don't do anything here, if the debt has really increased, that CRA is not going to be willing to accept the proposal. So we looked again closely at the budget. We even, you know, spoke to some family members who said, you know, maybe we can, we can help. We have some dinners together or different things like that. You know, we can offset some of the entertainment budget and things like that. So we got a bit creative. We increased the proposal from $550 a month to $750. And that's a pretty big jump. It is. Yeah, yeah, it's taking him from thirty three thousand to forty five thousand. Yeah. Well, let's remember the debt went from ninety to three hundred eighty eight. So, right. And I was uh, just thinking about the monthly payment of mm-hmm. uh, five fifty to seven fifty. Right. So, uh, but yeah, on the grand scale of things, if that's what the proposal ended up being worth with forty five thousand, mm-hmm. then that's not too bad. Well, yeah, because originally we were offering him or offering to the creditors about twenty nine percent of the debt, which yes. anyone that's listened to our show for a long time, I'm always saying, you know, it's thirty to fifty percent, maybe twenty to forty, something like that, in the ballpark of a proposal. We were right there. But when the numbers get so big, um, you know, again him offering thirty percent of almost four hundred thousand, that's just not going to be in the cards no matter what. Right. Um so his revised offer that CRA accepted, again at seven fifty per month, was for eleven percent of the total debt. 11%. It was accepted. He's working to pay it off. Again, from everybody involved, this is the best possible result because he could have went into bankruptcy and it would have been close to a zero recovery for everybody. He wanted to avoid that. Again, very honest, ethical gentleman, paid all of his last dollars to his employees and didn't even want to leave the government hanging either. But again, reasonably, this is what he could afford and everyone's happy at the end of the day. I, I, I just think it's like a perfect solution for I know I know consumer proposals work for so many people but this is like perfect for this guy yeah. because he did all the right things yeah. tried to do everything right all the way along um, and to be rewarded this way with this kind of proposal, that's that's really a good news story. Yeah, and, and you know that's why I'm talking about it here today because, again, I see a lot of clients all the time, but there are some that you know stick out to me about a situation where, like you said, Elaine, the solution was the right answer to the problem, it was reasonable, and we just got to an excellent outcome here. Excellent. So moral of the story? Well, moral of the story is, you know, even if tax debt seems like it's insurmountable, if it's a massive number, and even when we get, you know, thrown some curveballs later on, you know, if we thought the debt was one thing, but the number actually changes, don't lose hope. It's almost every case we can still reach a good good settlement with a consumer proposal. Nice. Okay. So number two example. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, this one a, a little bit um, less going on here, but I still think something that's useful or interesting to our to our viewers. So this was a 32-year-old gentleman who came in to see me, very stressed about his debts. He wasn't sleeping. All he was doing was thinking about all the money that he couldn't pay off. When I asked him, you know, what's your objective for coming to see me? He just said, I just need to make the, st- the stress stop. It's killing me. And again, 32 years old, working well, had, had a good income per month. Uh, he had gotten into trouble due to overspending and a bit mis- mismanagement. He said, you know, I just didn't pay attention in my 20s. I'd go out, I'd put the card down. I wouldn't care too much about it. And he had came to see me with $38,000 of debt, including some credit cards, lines of credit, and some payday and installment loans. 
He was earning about $3,500 a month, uh, which again, should be pretty good. But all he was doing was paying minimum payments, being all stressed out and not sleeping, not eating. It was going down a bad direction. Right. So a solution for him once Mm -hmm. you went through everything. Yeah. So right from the first meeting, I could see he was starting to, you know, breathe better, you know, more deeply, really calm (laughs) down, understanding, okay, there is some hope here. There are some other options. Uh, We filed a consumer proposal in his case to repay $16,800 of his $38,000 of debt. So in this case, about 44% of the total, so a little on the higher end of what we usually do. But more in line, a little more in line with what your average is. Yeah, typically, yeah. Yeah. Again, usually we're in the 30 to 50% mark. So about 44% of the debt was repaid. Monthly payments of $280 he could easily afford on his $3,500 a month income. No stress, no collection calls, just a really good, reasonable solution to his situation. Excellent. So if any part of these stories about real people, uh, if they sound familiar or they resonate with you in any way, go see Sands and Associates. They've helped these folks get out of debt. Um, and that's, and with a consumer proposal. And if you haven't heard about that before, then that's even one more reason to go see, uh, Blair Manton, Sands and Associates. They've got offices all over British Columbia. For more information, check out their website, sands-trustee.com or call 1-800-661-3030 for a free consultation and to find an office near you. We'll be back with more right after this. Welcome to Dollars and Cents. I'm Elaine Scollin, along with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates. They're experts in helping you get out of debt. For information on any of the services we talk about on the show, go to sands-trustee.com or call 1-800-661-3030 for that free consultation. On the line with us is Bethany Kant. She's a qualified insolvency counselor with Sands & Associates. She's got over five years of experience working in the personal debt help industry. She uh, provides counseling to clients in all the off- in the Abbotsford and Langley offices uh, for the one-on-one financial counseling sessions, which is what Sands and Associates offers. Bethany feels it's important to provide help without judgment and says, quote, through financial counseling, clients begin to feel empowered with knowledge of money management and most importantly, Hopeful. And Bethany, I can tell you that Blair and I talk about that hope all the time in this show because it feels so hopeless sometimes when somebody's walking yeah. in the door. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about the counseling sessions. Yeah. So Bethany, thanks for joining us today. Um, why don't you start off don't just worry. telling us why do we have counseling sessions? You know, are, are these a mandatory part of bankruptcies and proposals? Yes. So they are mandatory. Um, they're required by the superintendent to attend two counseling sessions in a bankruptcy and a consumer proposal process. And the ad- objective of these counseling sessions is to help with overall financial rehabilitation. It's hopefully giving people the skills they need to ideally make a bankruptcy or a proposal a one-time occurrence in their lives. Okay, so you use the word, you know, financial rehab, so to, so to speak. So it's, you know, giving them skills and um, and techniques and tools to, to try to make sure, you know, again, it's one time they, they come through the door. Uh, what's the structure of, of the session? You know, I often have my clients be really concerned, you know, is this going to be a group situation where, um, you know, I'll tell my story and everyone else will tell their story and we'll, com- you know, compare stories or is, is it different than that? Right. Um, so these are one-on-one private sessions. Um, it's not a group setting. We do find it is beneficial to bring someone 
um, just that shares your finances with you, just so you can be on the same page. Um, often like like a husband or wife, kind of, you think? Exactly, yes. Yep, common law, anything that, like that. Now, Bethany, um, what kind of, I mean, this has got to be a bit tough for people to walk in the door and have to sit down. How does it go for these folks? Well, it's a non-judgmental environment here. Um, we let everyone kind of talk, and I hope they go out of the sessions feeling very hopeful about their future and, like I say, their financial goals coming true. Now, I bet, I bet they do feel a lot more hopeful when they walk out the door. Yes. And, and Bethany, what, what topics do you cover in the, the first counseling sessions? So in the first counseling session, it is um, the subject matter is specified in the law for each of the counseling sessions. So the first counseling session focuses on um, how to rebuild your credit, when to get back into credit, what cards are available. Um, so there's prepaid, secured, and unsecured. So we go over those in a little bit of detail so people understand. Um, we also go over spending plans, like needs versus wants. And then at the end, I really like to go over people's financial goals and dreams because I feel like people tend to forget about their dreams because when you're in financial hardship, they just don't seem in reach. So I really like to come back to those goals. Yeah, and what you said there, Bethany, kind of kind of hit me when you were talking about the needs versus wants. You know, I've had some people say, right. you know, that's really everything. You know, it's it's always figuring out, you know, what can I afford to do, what to, what I love to do. You know, how do those discussions right. usually go when you're talking about needs versus wants with clients? Well, we kind of write them down and we kind of go over some questions and we kind of go back to the cash. Um, if you don't have the cash, you don't usually buy it. Um, but mm, okay, yep, we kind of go over some questions of what they might think is a need or is a want. And are there some surprises? You know, someone really thought this is a need, and as you, you start to drive down, you figure out, well, actually, it was more of a want than a need, and that, that's a bit of an insight, right? Yep, and also when they kind of realize, they say, hey, you know what? We might actually not need it right now. We can wait, right. even for Christmas or Mother's Day or something. So it makes it a little bit more special as well. Okay. And then you talked about, you know, financial goals and, and, and dreams. And, you know, Bethany, you and I do different things at different points with, with clients. So, you know, when people come into me, their, their big goal and their dream is just to, you know, make the pain stop, you know, to stop the collection calls, right. you know, to give them a sense that, you know, they're not a horrible person. They can actually move forward in, in their life. And, you know, sometimes they have some, you know, dim idea that eventually they'd love to be able to buy, you know, a house or a condo or something. I'm curious, yeah. you know, how are the types of goals that, that you sit down and develop with clients? You know, how do they align or not align with those types of things that people usually say when they start the process? Yep. So some are, you know, they want to get into a down payment again. They want their home. Um, some are, they want to have Christmas paid off. So it's not all put on credit cards. So that's a goal. They, they like having Christmas and they want to be able to have the Christmas presents for the grandchildren and, you know, their spouses and all of that. You know, it, it really ranges on, on everyone, but there's lots of different goals. Some of trips because they haven't taken a trip in six or seven years. Um, so it really, everyone's different. <laughs> Bethany, is there sort of, um, a, not a set list, but some general questions that uh, the people come in to your counseling session with and, and really want to focus on and get answered? Yeah, so there, there are a few that definitely um, stand out to me. So uh, some of the common questions is, does it take seven years for them to rebuild their credit? Mm, um, does it? And, nope. <laughs> um, so it is 
six years after discharge is how long it stays on your Equifax and TransUnion report. Um, however, you can start rebuilding from the get-go right when you sign the papers, you can start rebuilding your credit. And those are the things we go over in the counseling session. So you don't have to um, wait, you know, a few years. You know, as you said, you can really start to take positive steps right away. Right. Okay. And that's very encouraging for people to hear because um, they're under the assumption that, you know, they can't rebuild if it's still on their Equifax and TransUnion report. Yeah, I really love that part um, of the thinking around a consumer proposal for folks that they're mm -hmm. automatically rebuilding their credit as soon as as soon as they start because there's a documentation that they've taken action and they're taking very significant important steps to uh, fix this debt issue and I just love I just love that I mean that to me is part of the hope that you guys bring for folks. And then another question that they ask is, do their employers or their friends find out about the process? Um, and nope, uh, it is a confidential process. Mm -hmm. The only time a friend or employer would find out is if their wages are being garnished, um, so their employer would know. Um, and if their friend owed them money and they had them on the creditor list, um, then they would be notified. But this is confidential, so not everyone knows about it. Oh, that's great info, Bethany. And, you know, we're, we're down to about the last minute and a half here or so. Okay. I'm, I'm curious, uh, you've been doing counseling for a number of years here, and it's always interesting to me, what do people find really surprising? So I wonder, for a first counseling session, you know, what do you find that your clients are, are really surprised by that you when you relate it to them? Yeah, um, I think they are very surprised at how quickly they can get back into credit and start rebuilding. Um, you know, their credit, um, I find they're surprised at how common of a process this is. The insolvency statistics in Canada for 2017 were 122,198 people in Canada wow. <laughs> to do a bankruptcy and a consumer proposal. So then they feel like they're not alone. Um, and then the last one is, I think they're very surprised that their goals are achievable. We break it down into how much they have to save, how long they have to save the money, and we break it in down into how much they have to save each day. And I feel like people are very surprised and very hopeful when they come out of the sessions. Bethany, I think you must do some wonderful work with these folks because uh, you just ha you're so empathetic and you understand the process and you sort of understand uh, who they are when they're walking in the door and, and have experienced so many positive things. And Bethany is just one of the several uh, staff uh, at uh, Sands and Associates. Remember uh, the website, nice and easy to remember, it's sands-trustee.com. You can give them a call. It's a 1-800 number. If you're interested, if any of this information is resonating with you and you'd like some more, their number is 1-800-661-3030 for that first free consultation, as well as to find an office near you. Thanks, Bethany. Thank you very much for having me. Have a great day. We'll be back with more right after this. Welcome to Dollars and Cents. I'm Elaine Scollin, along with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates. They're experts in helping you get out of debt. A couple of ways to do it for a free consultation. The phone number is nice and easy to remember. It's 1-800-661-3030 and to find an office near you. 
Now, we're talking about uh, consumer proposal and the misconceptions. There's some myths about them. Stuff, I mean, this for some people, this is a brand new concept. Yeah. For a lot of folks, right? Yeah, it is a brand new concept. The majority of folks that I sit down with, they've never heard the term before, or maybe they've heard it, but they don't know what it means. You know, I went to business school. I worked in, you know, one of the biggest accounting firms in, in the country here, and I hadn't heard about a consumer proposal until about five years into practice when just, you know, by chance, I saw, you know, a professional article explaining it. So, you know, if professional folks who are in finance don't know about consumer proposals, the odds are individuals don't know much or anything about them at all. Right. All right. Well, let's sort of run through some of these myths and hopefully we'll we'll be able to answer uh, a whole bunch of questions or, or concerns or, or queries that you may have about them. First of all, consumer proposals, lengthy and costly. Yeah, so let, let's talk first, you know, just level set, what is a consumer proposal? Sure, okay. and, and what a consumer proposal is, is it's meant to be a compromise. So it's meant to be a win-win between you and the people that you owe money to. So what happens when you make a consumer proposal, and you can only do this through a licensed insolvency trustee, uh, is we have to figure out what can you reasonably afford to repay on your debts, right. okay? Because in a perfect world, your creditors want 100% of their money, and they want all the interest on top of that every single month until it's paid off, okay? And that's what we're sort of... Okay. Oh, yeah. We're told, right? I mean, if you go into debt, you owe somebody this, that's what you got to pay them back, yeah. plus whatever interest you've agreed to. So most people think, just as you said, Elaine, there's no option here. Right. And the consumer proposal is your option. So exactly. it's your option to say, you know what? I can't afford to pay all this back, and I definitely can't afford to pay it back at 18% interest. So the way a proposal works is we figure out, working with a trustee ourselves, what can you afford to pay back? Usually it's about 30% of the debt. And so not 100% or even close to it. Usually it's about 30%. And it's with no further costs, no further interest charges, nothing like that. And you pay it off over a period of time up to three to five years. So the first myth that a consumer proposal is lengthy and costly couldn't be more untrue. The lengthy and costly thing is to continue to pay the interest every month and never pay the debts off. Um, by law, a consumer proposal can only cost as much as you can afford. And obviously, if you can't afford to do a consumer proposal, if you owe a million dollars and you can't pay back a third of that, well, we get that. This isn't an option for you. But quite often, a consumer proposal is what you can afford, so it's not costly. And the length by law, the maximum term is five years. So we're not talking the never-never plan here. And many people, they're able to pay off their proposals much sooner than five years. Our average duration is about three and a half, four years on a proposal. Okay. Um, They don't, and uh, let's define what a government debt is first, mm-hmm. and then I'll ask, and then I'll give you the myth, and then you can dispel it. Yeah, so a government debt is anything you owe to the lovely folks who make this country a great place it is to live in. So things like student loans, um, income tax, you know, EI overpayments, perhaps, um, you know, some social benefit overpayments could be, but for the most part, it's income taxes and it's student loans. Okay. Consumer proposals don't cover those kinds of debts. That's that's the myth that mm-hmm. we want to dispel. Yeah, and Elaine, the number of folks I have who I'm sitting down and maybe I'm 40 minutes into a consultation, I think I've worked out a solution here, and then you know towards the end of the meeting they say, oh, and I also owe the government, you know, twenty or thirty thousand dollars. But I know nobody can ever reduce government debt. There's nothing you guys can do with that. And I say, no, absolutely. 
We could do it six ways to Sunday. I can reduce government debt the same as every single other debt. I think it's really important to repeat that because it's shocking to me. I remember when I heard that for the first time, especially like, you know, Canada revenue. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. You think, you know, that, that you're just done for, that you owe this, you owe this, you owe this, and the interest and whatever it is they tell you, you have to pay, you have to pay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, every day I meet with folks who they've got, you know, an assessment from Canada Revenue Agency, maybe it's valid, maybe it's not accurate or not, and they could take 10 years and try to fight it in tax court, and the government can afford far greater lawyers than anyone of us could afford. Right. Um, or they can figure out that a consumer proposal takes away any special status for government debt. If you owe Visa $10,000 and you owe the government $10,000, they are treated exactly the same. The government doesn't get more of a vote on your proposal. They don't get the right to veto your proposal. If everybody else you owe money to is saying yes on the proposal, quite often the government is dragged along for the ride and they can't say no. Now, did you mention the percentage when you have a whole series of creditors out mm-hmm. there, uh, what percentage is needed for this to be approved? Right. And that, that's hugely important. So we don't need everybody to agree. So if you're trying to do something informally, if you're trying to say, hey, you know what, I can do this proposal thing myself. I'm going to phone up everybody that I owe money to. I'm going to say, hey, charge me no further interest and let me pay back 30%. I say, yeah, you can try it. But what if somebody, you know, if you've got 10 creditors, what if one of them won't play ball? You haven't solved your problem because that one creditor can still sue you, can still harass you, can do all these things to you. The great, the beauty of a proposal is the law is structured that everybody wants this deal to get done. So all we need is 50% by dollar value, not a majority in number, just 50% by dollar value. So if you owed $20,000, as soon as I get $10,000 of that debt on side on the proposal, the proposal is automatically approved. The other 49% who may not like the proposal it's too bad, so sad. This is the way the law is structured and the individual has the right to make a deal with at least 50% of the dollar value. Really important piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, consumer proposals are the same as credit counseling. Yeah. Yeah, not really. No, it's a really murky situation, right? If you see somebody advertising, you know, quite often they would say, you know, we're a not-for-profit charitable service. We're out, you know, in the community. We're a credit counselor. Come and see us before you'd see a trustee, okay? And not to say don't go and get advice from everybody out there, but make sure that you include a trustee um, basically in your, you know, sphere of people that you're going to talk to because only a trustee can do a consumer proposal. And a consumer proposal is night and day different to what a credit counselor can do for you. What a credit counselor can do because they don't have the ability to use the law. So only a trustee can do a consumer proposal because that's basically in federal law. That's the role that can do it. If you're working with a credit counselor individually, they'll go and try to make deals to freeze interest, but that's it. They can't reduce your debt. They can't bring you down to, you know, the 30% repayment, no interest, no charges, give you time to pay. Only a trustee can do that. So what a credit counselor will normally do is what's called a debt management plan. So it's kind of debt management plan versus a consumer proposal. Two big differences, and these are incredibly important to note. One is in a debt management plan, you have to pay back everything. 100% of the debt, maybe a freeze on interest, but that's it. Compared to a consumer proposal, often 30% repayment or thereabouts. The other big, really important thing is everyone's very concerned about their credit rating impact. And you would think if you do a credit counseling plan and you pay back everything, your credit report is going to be better than if you did a consumer proposal and you only paid back a third. You would be wrong. They're exactly the same. Exactly the same. Mm -hmm. So there's no, there's no, there's, there is no advantage. 
I can see no advantage at this point. I can see no advantage either. Okay. So I would say to folks that, you know, with full information, if you are you know more than capable of paying back all the debts and you just need an interest freeze, that's when credit counseling can make sense for you. But keep in mind, if you go and see a credit counselor, they want to sell you a debt management plan. They might not make a proposal sound attractive. They might tell you things like, you know, there's upfront fees or different things like that. Definitely do your own research. Talk to a trustee. Almost every case when I've explained that to someone, they said, well, why would I ever choose this? And I said, well, yeah, you probably wouldn't. All you needed was the right information. Now, since you brought it up, let's just cover off the fee structure too, because I think that's a really important piece of this because Mm -hmm. folks listen and they go, oh, sounds too good to be true. If something sounds too good to be true, it probably is. But in fact, let's talk about the fee. So Mm -hmm. I've come to you. I've got this huge debt. We do a consumer proposal. I've got it all figured out that uh, over the next two and a half or three and a half years, I can pay off my big debt with a small amount or or with a manageable amount of money I'm going to pay each month. How do you get paid? Right. So do I charge you anything extra? No, is the answer. So everything a trustee does, as I said, it's all governed by law. And when you file a consumer proposal, um, the trustee has to send that proposal out for voting. And almost always it gets accepted. So generally at the time of filing the proposal, you make the first month's payment. So if the proposal, most proposals are, you know, two to $400 a month, something like that, you'd make a payment of two to $400 or so. And then the trustee would send the proposal out to make sure it's approved. So essentially we ask you, if you say you can make this monthly payment, you know, on a five-year basis to pay this off, make it once and we'll do the proposal for you. That, that's it. No big upfront fees. If you hear somebody say a trustee won't even look at you until you pay $1,500, it's a lie, plain, or sim- plain and simple. We've never done that in 27 years of practice. And because you're not allowed to. Right. right. The law governs what you can charge. Oh, yeah. The law governs what you can charge. Trustees have some discretion, you know, to charge less, but could never charge more. Right. So, you know, even in my situations, if someone, you know, they've just had their wages seized. I had someone this morning, you know, had about $10 in the bank. They're in a very tough situation. I'm filing the proposal with no payment. I'm saying, you know what, we're going to get this thing approved. You're going to get paid in two weeks from now. Just pay me then. It'll all true up in the end. The person wants this proposal to work. I know they're going to pay it off in the end. So we will take a risk with the client as well. We'll take, you know, one payment or even zero payments just to make sure we get a deal. Right. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, now, same as bankruptcy, consumer proposals. What Can we outline the differences? Yeah. So they're both governed under federal law. They're both administered by trustees, but that's essentially where a lot of the similarities end. So first off, a consumer proposal is not a bankruptcy. So, you know, if you've ever been asked on a credit application or, you know, a rental application, have you ever filed for bankruptcy? If you file a consumer proposal, you can say no to that question every day of the week and and be accurate. So not a bankruptcy. It does impact your credit, but it's not as severe as what a bankruptcy would be. Again, it's the same as if you did a credit counseling plan and paid everything off, but you got a break on the interest. You're making a negotiated reduced payment arrangement. So not great for your credit, but something you can absolutely recover for. Many people, even while they're still in the proposal, they find themselves getting offers. If you know credit cards, secured credit cards, things like that, you'll rebuild quicker than what you think. Right. And that answers this, the uh, the next myth that consumer proposals ruin your credit permanently. That's mm-hmm. just not the case. Absolutely not the case. What ruins your credit permanently is if you don't deal with the issue. If all you're doing is paying minimums forever, you know, you might have a fine credit rating, but what's that ever going to do for you? You know, most of the time people want to get a mortgage and if you can't save a down payment because all your money is going to interest each month, well, then your credit rating isn't doing a whole lot for you. I'd like you to sort of toot your own horn for just a minute as we wrap this up. Um, It's not just 
uh, the consumer proposal plan and and focus and that that you that you have with your clients when they walk in the door they get a little bit more than that too mm-hmm. can we just talk about that as we wrap this up yeah what, what i'm proud about at sands and associates is we treat everybody with respect with dignity with empathy we know that any of us could be on the other side of the table they're having a debt problem that they need help with so you know we try to solve as much of the problem as we can you know finances are sometimes just one piece of a bigger issue but you can guarantee that you'll feel respected you'll feel validated you won't feel judged when you come in to talk about a proposal and if it's not the right option for you you know by law i have to tell you that hey i don't think this is the right option for you here's some other resources that you can connect with Um, generally people have a great experience in our consultations that's great you're listening to dollars and cents i'm elaine scollin you've been listening to blair manton from sands and associates helping you get a financial fresh start Uh, easy to get a free consultation in any of their offices 1-800-661-3030 is the number and to find an office near you. We'll be back with more right after this. Welcome to Dollars and Cents. I'm Elaine Scollin along with Blair Manton from Sands and Associates. They're experts in helping you get out of debt. You know, it's always so great when we get a chance to hear from a real person who's gone through either a bankruptcy or a consumer proposal uh, to find out how they got to that place and then realize that they got the right help, they could get out of all that worry, the stress of a large debt or an ever-increasing debt, whatever the circumstances. Uh, We're so lucky to have Christy on the show with us right now, on the line with us. Uh, Christy, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. We're so happy. Uh, We just, Blair and I just both so believe that when people get a chance to hear other folks uh, talk about their situation, um, it can be so helpful because they all of a sudden feel they're not alone and that maybe they can take the same kind of steps that you did. So we really appreciate you being able to do this. Great. Thank you. So can you first uh, tell us uh, about your unique situation that brought you to Sands & Associates? Sure. Um, I had lost my job where I was making a really great salary And I couldn't find a job within the city that I lived in with a comparable salary. And so I was actually forced to change my career path. And that's what brought me to Sands & Associates. And that's significant. And you're also not alone because we know that that happens to folks. And it probably happens more time more times than we than we can imagine. Um, So thank you for thank you for sharing that. Uh, And often it takes people a long time to be able to take the take the next step of getting help. Can you talk about how long it took you from from point to point before you started, um, you know, to when you decided you needed some help? Well, I actually only waited two months, but I knew the seriousness of my situation immediately. And I didn't want to wait too long to try and fix it. And when I had spoken to my family, they agreed that if I wasn't able to get on the correct path quickly, it would be pretty bad for my credit. Mm-hmm. Now, how did you know the seriousness of your situation? What, what was going on in, in your life with your finances at that time? Well, I definitely wasn't able to make my payments anymore. I was mm-hmm. able to just pay barely pay rent. 
Okay. And I knew that the phone calls would start, and they did. And, of course, it's difficult to try and speak to creditors on the phone. They don't, they don't tend to want to work with somebody all the time. And so I knew that I had to take a different step because I wasn't able to pay them properly. Yeah, what were some of those conversations like, Christy, if you don't mind elaborating a bit? Because I have um, people come in the door and it's like, you know, they've, they've seen a ghost sometimes or they've just gotten off the phone with some collectors just from, you know, the type of, of tactics or tone or different things like that. Did you find it was different collector to collector? What was your experience? Um, some of the collectors, you could tell that they were reading from a manual that they had mm. been given, but others were were very unkind. They were trying to indicate that I should use a credit card to make a payment. Mm. And if I couldn't, then they were indicating I should get a loan to make a payment. Right. And when I explained to them, I actually cannot do any of those things. It's not, not capable for me. I can't go out and get a loan just to pay another debt. Yeah. They usually were quite rude to me on the phone, indicating that it was going to be on my credit report for a very long time and that I would never be able to buy a home and they would start in on those kinds of spiels. Wow. So good for you not to believe any of that and mm-hmm. and to know better. I mean, boy oh boy, Christy, you were you were pretty lucky uh that you had you had that knowledge that you knew that you couldn't follow the path that they wanted you to and that there was a better way. Mm-hmm, exactly. So how did you find Sands and Associates? Oh, they were so kind. They um they made me feel feel very comfortable and reassured that there would be a solution mm-hmm. and there was no judgment. They were very compassionate towards me and walked me through each step of the process explaining what my options were and that if we couldn't go in one direction that there was another one that we could try. Mm-hmm. And they never made me feel like I was less than. They didn't judge me for my situation or how I even got to this point over the years. And, and Christy, can you share a bit? What did we actually help you with respecting your confidentiality? I've given no background, you know, on anything here, but, um, you know, obviously we help with bankruptcies and with proposals. And sometimes we end up just, you know, giving some free advice on pe- how people can deal with their debts. Are you comfortable mm-hmm. saying, you know, what we were able to assist you with? Absolutely. Um, when I went in, we discussed bankruptcy, and then they started telling me more about consumer proposals. I had never even heard of a consumer proposal before. And the collectors and never so, tell you that either. <laughs> that, no, that, they don't. That's something. It's information I, I, warfare, right? Yes. I immediately thought that I would have to claim bankruptcy. And so hearing they, they walked me through the consumer proposal process and let me know what it meant and how long it would take and what it meant for me for the future, and gave me the time to just even think about it, go home, talk to my husband, decide what was best for us. And it was actually a really great feeling to know that someone was on my side. Hmm. So it was, so you ended up going with the con- consumer propo- proposal? Yes, I did. Great. And what surprised you about that? process, having never even heard of it before. And believe me, you are not alone in that. Uh, Mm -hmm. What was, what were the things that surprised you or that you liked about it the best? Well, I liked the fact that it wasn't claiming bankruptcy, that it was significantly different from claiming bankruptcy. Um, The fact that you could, at the end of your consumer proposal, try and build up your credit right away, that, um, creditors in the future wouldn't tend to look 
as badly towards you when you had a consumer proposal that they would tend to want to work with you seeing the work you've done to try and pay your debts off. Sure. And um, at, I, I just can't help but think that this has impacted you in sort of how you view finances. I mean, you were in a, a wonderful position in that you had a terrific job and were making really, really good money and then obviously made diff- another career choice, et cetera, et cetera. Um, what kind of, how has it impacted your sort of attitudes or behavior towards your finances? It's completely changed my view on income and debt. Interesting. Yes, realizing that it's important to get a handle on debt, it was a huge learning curve for me. I definitely was not taught that growing up from my parents. I wasn't taught that once I was out of school, and it's been trial and error. And it definitely, having the consumer proposal, showing me what what I had done to my own credit to begin with, and then how I could fix it. I didn't want to go backwards. I wanted to make sure I was going forwards, and now I knew how much your credit is important, and that consumer proposal can help move you in the right direction to try and correct any past mistakes. And Christy, do you have any words of advice or words of wisdom for someone who might be in a similar position, you know, someone listening to the show who's maybe thinking, oh my God, I didn't know about a proposal existed. You know, what, what type of advice would you give to someone if, you know, if it was yourself a number of years ago? I would tell them to try to not be so hard on yourself. That's good it's, advice. It's uh, very yeah. common to struggle to manage debt, but that there's so many resources out there and wonderful people who are willing to help you pull yourself out of the vicious cycle and that having debt doesn't make you a bad person. Mm -hmm. And it often doesn't take much of a change in your life to completely offset everything that's going on around you and make debt start to compound so quickly. And could you describe uh, in, in a few sentences where you are right now in your life? Well, right now, um, we are, obviously, I'm paying my consumer proposal off, and so I keep, I keep an eye on my um, credit rating to see how it's doing, and I'm also taking the knowledge that I have and imparting it on my husband and my son. Nice. So that at least they won't make the same mistakes that I did, and that credit is something that you have to be careful with, that it isn't just, it isn't a toy, it isn't a game, and, and, and people don't often get explained that when they're young and can apply for a credit card. Absolutely. Christy, that was great. You've given, you've given uh, a, our listener a lot of really, really good information. Uh, if you'd like to check out uh, the uh, Sands & Associates website, it's terrific, at sands-trustee.com. Or you can give them a call, 1-800-661-3030. Get that first free consultation uh, to find an office near you and get started on uh, living this debt-free life that we've heard Christy tell us about. Christy, thanks so much. Thank you so much, guys. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.
Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the ring.